Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Do you know what separates the best salespeople from colleagues in their own companies and the top representatives from the competition? It's the ones who work diligently to develop an expertise in everything from results-oriented sales process to always being fully trained and up-to-date with the company's product or service offerings. Most importantly, they spend a lot of time to ensure their sales pipeline is always working efficiently and nothing slows it down to prevent sales from being closed and revenue targets surpassed. I have spent my entire career in sales and sales management positions before gaining enough capital to start my own companies. I am really excited about today's episode because this is where we start to tie everything together. We've been through a little journey, haven't we? I've opened up the podcast season with adopting the win-win effect, leaning into picking up the phone and start cold calling, diving into being programmed to winning, understanding what is your competitive advantage, then peeling back the layers of the limiting belief onion. I've taught you the difference between bad leads, bad salespeople, or maybe just a lack of knowledge. Innovative, powerful sales strategies, going into an expert guide to building rapport and credibility. In the previous past two episodes of anchoring and framing and how important is it for every salesperson to be able to perfect. I will tell you this, if you've been paying attention, your pipeline is growing. Being extremely busy is a salesperson's dream. In my opinion, this is where we separate the weak from the strong. Knowing how to work your book of business is one of the most important things as a salesperson, for any business person, for that matter, to be successful. For the listeners out there, think about this. Do you feel like you're organized? Do you know your sales metrics? Do you know the stages of your pipeline? For most of you, you don't even know what a sales pipeline is. The sales pipeline is a systematic method of navigating the stages within a sales process. The sales pipeline shows you how much money you're going to be able to make in every sales deal. The beginning of the sales pipeline begins with the initial contact. Well, don't get overwhelmed now. Don't get scared. It is your job to make sure that you take them through that process and it needs to be seamless. I've seen in far too many occasions where salespeople let internal issues get in the way of sales. With a well-defined pipeline, companies are able to learn the amount of work needed at each step of the process to reach an end sales goal. Truly successful sales professionals are always able to focus on efficient and profitable ways of increasing sales to develop their business. You notice I said their business. It doesn't matter if you're selling for a company. That's your book of business. Your sales pipeline is your business. Because if you manage the process properly and diligently, you will stay tuned with all the opportunities and actively monitoring account activity throughout the sales cycle. How many of you right now are overwhelmed? Be honest with yourself. It's okay. That's what we're here to do to help you. In today's episode, I have Wes Bays back on 
and we're going to talk about the proper way of being able to manage your pipeline to become more skilled at organizing leads, cultivating opportunities, forecasting outcome, and most importantly, closing sales. Who's listened to us previously and already has a pen and paper to write things down? Congratulations. If you don't, you might want to make that happen. Let's dive right in. Wes, welcome back and happy Money Monday to you, my friend. How's it going? Fantastic, Chris. How you doing? Come on now. I'm always good. You know this. Exactly. I know I'm excited about today's topic, but after listening to me frame today's call, Wes, do you have anything you would like to add to the introduction to give the listeners more of an idea how important this is as a salesperson or even a business person that is? Yeah, I'm actually really glad we're going over this topic because this is one of those things. Say a sales pipeline is that's your your lifeline in sales. And that's something that has to constantly be filled and what I see a lot of is people getting complacent, you know, they they go through whatever their sales cycle is and say they're having a good, you know, they're hitting their targets early or whatever, they get complacent, right, and forget to fill the pipeline. And so I'm excited to talk about this piece today because it's important that people understand the importance of being consistent with your sales pipeline, understanding it and having a good idea of what that really looks like for you and you know your sales process and your business because uh, it's it's one of those things that will make or break your sales career or your business or anything else that, you, that has to do with sales i couldn't agree anymore you mentioned make or break that's how i look at every stage of being able to look at how to be able to bring more to the buyer or prospective buyer in this case to cultivate opportunities to close sales Everything's about the customer's experience. If you're always focusing on how to increase the overall experience of every customer that comes to you, it will actually help you in the long run. Win-win. But here's the problem. The more that I consult with companies, the more I realize the majority of companies still don't have a clue on what this means. There's so much to cover with today's topic, and it's hard to figure out where to start. But let's talk about laying down the foundation for those that may not have a full understanding on what this is supposed to even look like. One of the first questions that I often get asked is, Chris, what is your sales process? Well, that depends on a lot of internal factors and external factors. I can't just build a process as a template, as a blueprint to be successful. However, I can fine tune that process to figuring out how to get more leads, get more out of your buyers, increase overall experience and cultivating the opportunities to closing sales. It's a journey. You're taking them on a journey to be successful and the students or the buyers need to feel that. So Wes, what are some things that jump out to you the most and maybe the listeners need to know when we're talking about pipeline management? Yeah. So when we're talking about pipeline management, you have to think about the different components of it. Right. So think of your pipeline pipeline management as how organized are you in your entire sales process. Right. So mm-hmm. your your sales pipeline management is what's going to tell you if you have gaps in your process, right? Because are you missing clients? Do you do you organize your clients in such a way that tell you who do you need to be following up with, maybe sooner than others? Right. And so it's it's very important that you truly understand and have a, a strong grasp of your sales pipeline in order for you to be the most effective and most efficient. Right. So I see people getting sucked in and, you know, I can I can potentially have the same results from one person that's working 10 hours where I can work two hours and get that same result right? because I'm, I effectively can look at my sales pipeline and manage it in such a way that I know exactly what's going to happen in each step of that. Uh, process, right? And what's going on with all of my clients. So uh, I'm glad we're talking about this piece because it's important for people to understand how to do this effectively in order for you to be able to get the most out of every client that you have. In your experience, when you had to forecast your sales as a salesperson, I know you do this in a different capacity now of owning businesses and training people as a sales trainer. But here's my question. When you were a salesperson, and you had a book of business and a sales pipeline, and your sales manager or leader at the time would come to you and say, Wes, whatever your sales cycle was, Wes, how many, what's your quota? Like, so you got 10 last month or 20 last month or 30 last month, and your goal is to hit this number. How close were you to hit that number every month or even surpass it? 
I was usually either within 90% or more, or in most months I was usually over. So my quotas, um, you know, I was typically known for getting at least 120% to goal or more, uh, back in during that time. And so, you know, but on, on my worst months where things, you know, we all have those cycles where sometimes things don't go exactly as planned, but some of that mm-hmm. would be up in the high 90%, but, uh, it never really dropped below that because I managed, managed it effectively and realistically. So realistically, meaning that, you know, I didn't just count on what leads I had in my pipeline at that time. You know, right. what I what I would be able to look at them and say, you know, what is what is truly what is this each client? What is the potential for each of this client? What's the potential revenue? And what do I really think I'm going to gross from this one client? And then I would work backwards to know how many more leads do I need to fill into the pipeline in order to achieve the actual result that I'm looking for. So I spent the majority of my time uh, making sure that I have a solid flow of leads coming in. Uh, and then I organized the rest of my process in such a way that I knew what was going to, to come out. So I can look at each step of the process. I know we're going to go over some of this today, uh, right. each step of that process. And I would know uh, realistically, what is my minimum that I should hit for that uh, month? And then what is my true projection of what I'm trying to hit for that month? So, or that cycle. That brings up a really, really good point. So think about this listeners. If you're able to forecast or predict and get very close to the number that you're trying to accomplish, it's only going to help the organization or company as a whole. And let me elaborate. As sales leaders or salespeople, we have an awesome opportunity to be able to drive the revenue that fuels organizations we are a part of. I mean, whether you're driving a high performance race car or you're behind the wheel of something you can barely keep on the road is in large part determined by the vitality and the efficiency of your pipeline. A lot of me, I said this to a manager the other day, a sales leader, and he looked at me like I was fucking crazy. But perhaps it may be the question that I asked him, but it was pretty simple. I asked him one question and I said, what are the chances of you forecasting and actually closing on the deals that your team is projecting? After some fine-tuning and him digging around into his numbers, which he should have known already, but he told me around like 42% from the last like six months of them actually achieving the goals that they're forecasting or closing the deals. So your sales team either has no idea what their pipeline is supposed to look like or maybe the stages in the stages in the pipeline and they're forecasting 60% that they're not hitting. I said, there's a better chance in Vegas of actually playing craps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so how can you go to your superior? I said, you're going to lose your job. When I said that to him, Wes, it opened his eyes. So and also one of the major reasons why you know I'm consulting with that company is that I'm trying to figure out how to define their sales process, sales cycle, and going into pipeline management. Because I, t- I can train people to do anything. I mean, we... And I'm not trying to sound pompous here, but I can train people to do what they never expected ever to do in sales because it's it's all about just understanding how to communicate. If you can communicate and try to get them to a mutual agreement, then you're good to go. Then I can plug in the holes with techniques and tactics. But peeling back a couple layers of this, like I guess it would be the time right now to make a clear difference between sales process and sales pipeline. But a sales process is comprised by like selling steps you're training on if you're selling like an online program. But if you're have a selling pro, a sales process of people walking in your front door and your job is to interview them and then doing like a tour of the facility, you're trained on an initial stage of prospecting all the way to the final objecting of closing that sale, the sales done. That's where a lot of salespeople fail. But the sales pipeline is different, isn't it? Really is. I mean, a lot of it to, to really try to make a differentiation your process is a lot more of what the client goes through. Right. Uh, your pipeline and your stages are more so for what you are taking the client through, right? From your side. So, so it's it's the way that you're viewing it, right? It's one is from buyer standpoint, one is more so from a uh, salesperson standpoint, right? and that's kind of how you're looking at it because of the journey that that client is going on. The process is the actual journey. You know, the, the pipeline, all that are the steps that are going into this journey. I hope that makes sense. So, you know, one point I wanted to add to that as well is 
that you know when you under, understanding sales pipeline management has also a lot to do with understanding your sales cycle right and and because once you actually know what your cycle looks like you're able to take you're able to manage your pipeline a lot more effectively like when i was um doing sales for when i was in financial services i knew on average it would take me between four and six weeks to be able to close a deal right? because there was a lot of steps that that client had to go through in order f- to come out the other side with with the deal done and so understanding that i knew how i had to fill my pipeline and how when i filled my pipeline one is it realistic that i'm going to close that deal and then that's how i could gauge what i'm going to get at any particular time during the month or the sales cycle right and so it's important for people to understand every actual, every step of the process, every step of the the pipe, or how to effectively manage your pipeline, sales stages, sales cycles. You have to understand all of this in order for you to actually be able to manage your pipeline effectively. Right. Touched on something really important, and, and thank you for plugging in the holes in what I missed, because it, it as we would all know, sometimes we always assume that people understand what we're talking about, especially with podcasts is a little different because listeners are pretty much just eavesdropping on a conversation unless we're giving an assignment. There's a lot of terminology, you know, when it comes to buzzwords or jargon when it comes to sales. And people sometimes have no idea, but they they think they, they understand what that word means, but some companies don't follow the same type of terminology, I guess, with sales. You know, elite, because I was talking to a salesperson the other day. And he said, leads. And I was like, well, that's a buyer. <laughs> you know I mean? That's what a CEO calls or a company calls a buyer, a front-end offer. They purchase a front-end offer. That's a buyer. A lead is what happens to you. So how you qualify that lead is different. And we'll go into the stages now. But understanding how you follow up. And a lot of these companies are trying to get me to map out their process, a sales process. Chris, I want your process because you've obviously done this at a very high level. Well, my process will be completely different on what you're looking at because it's a whole different model. My process goes into the strengths and weaknesses of myself. So every salesperson needs to look at their book of business is what I call pipeline. Every person needs to look at their book of business and have an idea, okay, where are my strengths and where are my weaknesses? And that's why we're talking about it today because for the last few weeks, we've covered so much information of getting you to understand what a buyer is going through. But now it's time to start plugging in the holes with the different stages at this point. But like I said, there's a lot to cover. So what are some of the stages that jump out to you the most about a sales pipeline to you or a sales process? Yeah. So, well, one, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, mentioned strengths and weaknesses in that because uh, I'm glad that we're going to go over that piece because a lot of people actually don't do this. They think they have to, um, they have to make everything their strength when it comes to this piece. So I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, but when it comes to stages... Uh, it's it's going to be your typical stages of what your what you know your buyer is going to go through, right? They start out, say, for example, as a prospect. To me, that's that's really stage one is when that interest is created, and that person shows a level of interest. So stage one is going to be when they're a prospect. Moving forward, you're going to go into qualifying that that prospect. You're going to go then into you know the consideration. You're going to go into decision making. You know, you're going to go into the closer. Um, you know, and a lot of times people stop there, right? But then there's addition to that. There's the follow-up piece, right? And so there's multiple, there's a lot of multiple stages. And for each company, what what and when these stages happen is dependent on their actual process, right? right? So, but essentially all of your clients are going to go through something very similar. And I know that's high level overview and very generic, but you know, that's, basically what a, a stage, those are the different stages that a client would typically go through. People have a sometimes misconception of initial contact, like what it means for a salesperson, because what it means for a salesperson is completely different for a marketing team or a company as a whole, because initial contact is generally fostered through marketing. You know, a couple questions that a marketing team needs to be able to define or to be able to identify is who is the target market? What do they care about? Wes, do me a favor. Let me try to get this out the best way that I can. (laughs) It's important to try to give the listeners a different perspective or give them the tools to be able to approach this differently when you're looking at initial contact. So bear with me. So here's where the water gets murky as a salesperson. 
Initial contact is not bada bing, bada boom, just one and done. Many prospects are going to be long-term. The necessity semi-constant attention to build relationships. When you're focusing on how to increase the overall experience of every customer in a buyer's perspective is to be conscious of the fact that they have their guards up. They're scared. They don't want to be judged. We talked about this before. So if you approach the initial contact with the intention in mind that this is going to be a long-term relationship, it's going to draw them in closer to you and they're starting to view you as a person that can help them. Stay with me here. I'll try to make sense of all this. Where I see a lot of salespeople fail, and I'm talking about fail miserably, Wes, is they don't realize that it's hard to reach a prospective buyer when they have their guards up and they already have a perception of who you are as a salesperson or what your company can do. And the reason why I'm bringing it up now at this phase when we're talking about sales pipeline, sales process, sales stages, it goes back to the previous couple episodes where we talked about anchoring and framing. Anchor and frame the initial contact, sending an email, calling them and leaving a voice message and changing your voice messages. Remember, the anchor is a request. Sending an email stating the fact that your name and email came across my desk, following up that email with a phone call. If they answer, great, have a conversation. If they don't answer, leave a detailed voice message on what's your intention. This is where a lot of people fail. They don't ever state their intention on why they should call you back. Remember, the key to the situation is to get them to drop their guard or lower their guard to trust you. That's your job. But if you're just trying to make initial contact to just close out the task on your CRM or whatever platform you use, then you're not doing your job. And for the listeners out there, I want to make sure everyone understands something. The reason why I'm speaking with so much passion and authority right now is because I really want every student or prospect that I come in contact with, prospective buyer, to win. And I'm there to help them. I want people to start viewing me as a tool to be able to help them. And this is where good salespeople turn into great salespeople because they find a way to be able to put their personalities into their messages or maybe just their voicemail. I'll make an example. Say, for instance, a lead came through three days ago and I've attempted to contact this prospect or lead and I haven't been able to do so successfully. I will send an email and one of my voice messages will probably sound like this. Mr. Prospect, this is Chris Ross calling you again. As you probably would know, and don't delete this message, by the way. As you probably know, I've been calling you for the last three to four days. And I haven't been able to reach you. I have so much information that I'm able to share with you at this time that could potentially change the way that you even view life. And I tell you what, if you don't want to call me back, I can understand. Some people are not ready for radical change or transformation. So I'm going to start viewing your voicemail as an opportunity for me to call you every day to give you a nugget for success or a key to success. Would that be okay for you? Great. I'll call you tomorrow if you don't call me back. Talk soon. What do you think that me leaving that type of voice message did for... What do you think it said to him overall? Well, one is that he needs to... Well, you gave him a reason why he needs to give you a call back, but he felt the urgency (laughs) and he heard something that he probably hasn't heard before. And now, because there's, and you know, listening to that, there is also a level of, I don't want to say confrontation, but it, almost like confrontation there, you know, right. to where it's like, you know, now it's like, a, um, you know, now that person is viewing it as in, okay, this person is starting to get irritated with me a little bit, right? But obviously I need to see what this is all about. So now right. I'm going to go ahead and give them a call back just so I can see what's going on and make sure I clear all of this up, right? So you're just doing what you need to do and doing something different than maybe most people would in order to get that person to reach out to you. Because the whole goal is to get them to reach out to you. Because once they're there, now you can truly identify if that person is a good fit or not. And start the qualification process. What I was doing already, and, and thank you for that, because it's important for them to hear. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about it with the initial contact. I didn't expect to really go into this, but it's important for all the listeners to understand because what it indirectly said to him, as I was positioning as a sales tactic, I was positioning. I was pretty much indirectly saying to him, it's worth his while to give me a call back as soon as possible. And there's a lot of curiosity with that message. It's like, what the hell is he going to talk about? Then it was also, 
either he's a confident son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy's really extremely confident. Maybe he knows something I don't know. I got to call him back. I, what I'm kind of telling him, Wes, is that you're dealing with another fucking beast. You're, you're dealing with a sales beast. You're dealing with someone that knows his book of business. You know, it knows exactly what he's doing. And if it, if you don't call me back, then fuck it. I'm going to keep calling back every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all good. I'm going to need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Call me back. But that's the initial contact. A lot of salespeople, they get a lead comes through is they go, all right, I'm going to sign this lead. I'm going to call every day and leave this bullshit voicemail. Like what's an example of a bullshit voicemail? Oh man, there's, there's so many. I mean, it's like, hi, this is uh, Wes with XYZ company. I'm calling you to talk to you about, you know, uh, our I didn't even listen to it. machines, right? I, I can't even, it's hard to even do. Right. But, uh, yeah. it's difficult. Right. It really is because the, the effect, an effective voicemail, not to go too much off topic, but an effective voicemail is, is short, vague, but urgent. Right. right. So it's just there to create curiosity and give you a reason to call back without telling you exactly why you need to call me back. That's that when I've had my most powerful voicemails, it's followed that same exact path. Yeah. So when people start going off on, you know, why they're there to call that person and what, you know, product they're offering or whatever, don't ever expect to call back because you're not going to get one. Yeah. And lengthy voicemail suck too. That's one of the hardest things for myself because, you know, as in I'm a long winded son of a gun, you know, I'm a sales guy, right? But I'm not going to talk just for no reason, but I'm completely different when it comes to business. When it comes to business, I'm only going to move when it actually benefits the outcome I'm searching for. So I'm only going to speak when it benefits the outcome I'm searching for, especially when I'm dealing with different personality types. But to be able to get them to a qualification and qualifying that lead, the definition is a a fully qualified lead needs to be established and understood by the entire sales department. Like everyone needs to understand what is qualified. You know what I mean? So I can go to 10 salespeople right now and only 20% of people actually be able to tell me what a qualified lead is for their process. Like, why is that so hard to understand? People tell me that qualified is breathing. You know what I mean? They answer the phone. Right. That's not qualified, motherfucker. Like, why is it so hard for people to understand this as a salesperson? Well, that's because they don't they don't actually know what qualified even means for their particular client. Because what that also tells me as well is that they have a very, I'm going to try to use the best term here, but they have a very submissive way of getting onto that phone call or talking to that client, right? So when you understand exactly who your client is and what you're looking for from a client, then you take more control in that process. You take more control on that call, right? Because you have a standard, and I know we, we talked about this in previous episodes, you have a standard of what this client needs to look like, who this client needs to be in order for you to be able to work with them. So you understanding that piece is going to help you shorten also that your sales process, right? And help you take more qualified calls. And then also put measures in place, potentially put measures in place to allow you to qualify someone before you ever pick up the phone and talk to them. Right. A lot of times when you're calling calling somebody, I mean, it could be anybody, but when you're calling them that initial contact, I do want to flex a little bit, but I want to keep it short. Right. It doesn't take, it wouldn't take me long. Any sales position I've ever been in, it didn't take me long to be a senior salesperson, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to you know, sound a certain way, but it's true. John, the reason for my call today is this. My company does X, Y, Z, but I'm not really concerned about that yet because I don't know if you're a qualified buyer or not. That's pretty much what I'm saying. This is what we need to do. I need to figure out if my team can help you. And if I feel that at this time, in any part of this conversation, that you couldn't benefit from this program, product, or service, I'm going to let you know. And I might recommend you for one of my team members will be giving you a call back because I need to work with clients that are actually serious about their life or serious about the product or service, if that makes sense. That's a huge way of being able to qualify a lead and letting them know and let it, them letting you know if you should call them back. Like qualified lead is actually, they have a fucking interest in what you're buying. <laughs> and if they have the if they have the resources to be able to make that possible, and then how long are you looking for the sales cycle? When right. a sales cycle and a sales process is fast, you're making money. Guess who else is winning? The customer's winning. Um, no, but it's, yeah, it's important. It's important for for people to understand that when you're when you're prospecting, you're when you're gaining interest, you can't go about it from the sense that you know you are. Again, I, I said it before. It's being submissive on that call. 
right? You have to come to it like you have to come to it with conviction. You have to come to it with strength, and you have to make them want to prove themselves to you. There's nothing like, you know, them seeking your approval. When you get that to that level with a client, you're you are going to be able to get whatever you're trying to get with that client. So it's important that you come to it, and you and just like you know, Chris, just the way you went over it right now, it's hey, I'm here because I'm looking to see if you're the type of person that I want to work with. Right. And move and and to on today's call, we're going to figure that out. And that but the way that we're going to figure that out is by me getting to know a lot more about you. I'm going to ask you some questions in order for me to be able to see if I can actually help you moving forward or if you're someone that's going to be a good fit. Yeah, and and the way you come at it and the tonality that you use and and again the conviction that you have, that's enough to make a person want to listen to what you have to say. All right. So but people come to it on a call and be like, "Hey, this is uh, this is John with ABC Company, and uh, you know, you, I'm John. actually reaching out to right. you today." Right? Exactly. Like, like <laughs> exactly. It's like come to it and say, "Look, this is this is exactly what I'm here to do today, right?" And I'm going to see if you're a good fit because if you're a good fit, I can help you. If you're not a good fit, I can't help you. Okay, so let's figure that out together, right? It's not that. It's really not that complicated. You just have to have the balls to be able to actually do it. Right. It's true. That and it's, it's totally true. And I'm glad this conversation is going with this much tenacity, to be honest with you, because it, it needs to be said and it needs to be heard. Because a lot of people get on the phone and they try to be Mrs. Nice Guy or Mr. Nice Guy. I don't, I don't, there's, there's a time and place for that. Usually when I'm being nice to someone, I'm, I'm usually being empathetic to putting myself in their shoes. Like I'm going to try to feel the emotions of what's happening on the call. I'm, and I hope the listeners are actually understanding that we don't some call people and yell at them. But there's a time and a place for it. And I will start poking holes in your bullshit story. So I'm like, John, based off of what I've just discovered from you, I don't really think this program and product or service is the right fit at this time. Or do I have something wrong? Please help me understand. <laughs> right? Yeah. So You have it, to flip that table. Right. Gotta, I'll flip you it. Gotta, you have to flip the table. Yeah, you have to. I mean, like I've, I've had prospects in the past. I still remember when you know I was offering a $30,000 $30, program. Like we're talking about $30,000 and I would come onto a call and say, I have no idea if you're even a fit for this or not. Right. I'm going to find out today. And if you are, I'll go ahead and make a recommendation for you. But if you're not, then we're, then we're going, this is going to be it for us from here. Right. And this is, we're talking about $30,000 on the line. I'll come to it and I will put it, I, I will make it known that I will not offer you the opportunity right, mm -hmm. if, if you are not the right fit. And because I'm not looking at the money, I'm not looking at, Oh, this is thirty thousand on the line. I'm looking that you are going to come up to my standard, and so that's when people, you know, people would tell me, you know, I got on the phone with this client, and you know, they didn't, they kept asking me questions, they're coming back at me, you know, they didn't really believe what I was saying, and and, and that this part really pisses me off. But I'm like, yeah, that's because you didn't control that call, and then I'll right. get on the same that that call with that same client, and they will shut up for the entire call until I tell them that they can speak. Right. right, because I am controlling that entire call, and you will only talk when I when I when I ask you a question, right? Because that's how we're going to get to the outcome, not by you blabbing away at your limiting beliefs, right? So people, you know, and and I'm not trying to sound a certain way, but people need to understand that piece. When, the way that you come across is the way that you're perceived, and the way right. you're perceived is what's going to uh, lead to whatever outcome or lack of outcome that you're going to get. The outcome that you typically get, Wes, is obviously overachieving. And that's why we're in a position where we're in and owning businesses now. I mean, I wasn't always, you know, a business owner or an investor or an entrepreneur. I mean, it started off in sales. But, I mean, it's not like I won the lottery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got capital and started a business. I'm starting a business. I believe there's a need and a want and a desire to be able to go through what I've created. And, and I feel that, you know, based off of my experience of working with students or working with clients, they received a massive amount of value and it changed their life. So that's where the confidence come from. A lot of, I know that if you're listening to this and you're a new salesperson, I'm like, I don't really don't have that personality to be able to take control of a conversation. I mean, you're going to have to be able to stand your ground because I'm not going to have a client tell me they can't do something. It goes back to competitive advantage episode. I'm not going to get in and beat this, beat this down, right? But qualify, you know, qualifying a lead is me getting on a phone with someone and actually really figuring out if they could actually benefit from the products or service or whatever the hell I'm selling. Is it worth my time? That's what you need to figure out. So give a shit about the first call. I spend more time on the first call than I do any other call. Yeah. 
it's the most important one. I mean, that's why it's the first part of the sales pipeline, because this is this is how you know what the next step for that person is, and if they're even going to be a part of your pipeline, or if you're going to drop them off. Mm-hmm. It's this this is a key part, and this is the most important. And that's why that's why I, I I train on this the most because this is where you set the 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 groundwork for right. the expectation of the client, the expectation for yourself. And what's going to happen with that client moving forward? Are they going to use up any more of your time or go through your pipeline stage stages moving forward? That's why it's called the stage of pipeline. You see what I'm saying? Like that's why it's called the stage of pipeline. You're setting the frame and setting the stage for what's coming up moving forward. I don't want any prospective buyer to get from this call and me qualifying them. And I'll tell them, congratulations. I disqualified you for the next, next call. And your, your sales pipeline stage can be, you can have, Four, f- four or five stages, you can have 20. Right? So I know some people are going to start thinking about this, right? And it's like, oh, so how many stages am I supposed to have? But it depends. <laughs> well, it depends on your, and it depends on your business, right? That's why when people are like, you know, what's your sales process? I want to follow your sp- sales process. Well, my sales process doesn't matter because it's your company. It's your, yes, the buyer has to go through certain stages within their own mind and their own commitment, but how it's laid out is different and specific to each thing that you are selling. Right. So, and how, how much commitment does that take? Because if I'm selling something that's, you know, a hundred grand, if I'm selling a program that's a hundred grand, it's going to be uh, a lot more commitment than something that is a thousand bucks. Right. So there's a little bit more that has to go into it. But if I have something for a hundred grand and say 50 grand, it's not going to take me much difference. Right. Because there's no, there's not much difference between 50 grand and a hundred grand at that point. The commitment, the commitment level is the same. So the point I'm trying to make is that what is the commitment level of your buyer? And based off of that, how long does it actually take? And then based off of that, how can you shorten that time frame and make it as efficient as possible? And then start building out your stages from there. Ask yourself, looking at your pipeline, how quickly do leads move through your sales pipeline to close your deals? I always say to start to go. I mean, stop to go. So what's stop to go? Means dead stop, nothing's moving. And then go is sold. So every sales manager knows the longer the deal takes or stays in a pipeline, the less likely it will to close. So knowing the total value of your pipeline is not enough. You'd also need to know how quickly these opportunities go through each stage of the buying process and then turn an actual revenue. By monitoring to close, you know, speed to close in your pipeline, you'll be able to predict future sales more accurately. You mentioned, Wes, 90% you would hit. As a sales manager, I'm like, Wes, um, I need you to hit 15 this month, but do you think you can get over 15? Yep, I can hit 20. Odds would tell me that around like 18 to 19, you would hit, correct? Absolutely. Understanding that metrics, I'll be able to dump more money into marketing or I can tell the marketing manager, I can tell the VP or whoever the fuck's in charge, hey, I need more leads because we're closing a shit ton more than you actually expected. Is, the, is everyone in the company winning with that? Yeah, absolutely. they are. They are. And that's the thing is... And, and even talking about that, I mean, if you have, if you do this effectively, then your sales manager, sales leader is going to be more inclined to give you more uh, because right. you, because you're closing a lot more. So if you know that you can, you know, close at a hundred, let's say you can close at a hundred percent, right? Or as far as like what you predict, say you say that I'm going to do 20, you hit 20. And that person is giving you a hundred leads for you to hit that 20. Now that if that person gives you 200 leads, now you know you're going to hit 40, right? right? So because you understand all of, of your ratios and how all of that works. But that's why, and, and one thing you touched on, Chris, is extremely important. And I don't want to miss this point. And that's that you understanding the length of your process is extremely important for you to know what stages you need to put in. Because when I was a financial advisor, for example, I had, and my typical closing time was six weeks because of you had to go through on different things like underwriting or approvals from you know, different securities agencies and things along those lines. And so I understood this piece. So what I had to do was I had to fill in the gaps, right? Now that scenario created gaps. And those gaps being that that person may not, you know, may fall off of the commitment point throughout it, right? Because they're going through whatever they're going through life. They're going through life throughout that process. And so what can I fill in those gaps? What follow-up can I do during that? Or what things can I give them to do to keep them occupied so that they don't start thinking about the decision that they're making, right? So that I can get to a point where I can truly close it. And you can do that. That's why it's important for whatever industry you're in, whatever you sell, 
it's important for you to understand that so that you can control every step of that process. Mentioned right at the beginning of this is all about strengths and weaknesses. For myself, my weakness is idle. I get on a phone, you know, getting into a peak state, then lowering my level down to be a match, going up a couple of decimals, provide a shit ton of value, and then leave the call positive on a positive note. When I leave on a positive note, that usually I'm giving them something worth of value to do. Like, this is what I'm going to do for you, but here's what I would like for you to do for me. Is it even trade, isn't it? I can't tell you all the scientific factors that come into play with this. Is that, Wes, well, this is what I'm going to do for you. I have something of value, but here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to work on this video because that's going to really prepare you for what's going to happen on our next call. And for our next call, I want to use every second of those 15 minutes or however how long it is to be able to dedicate my time and how I can make it more of an impact to what you're learning with that video. Do you think they'll watch it? Of course. They're, you're, you're, and this is where tie downs come in. You're, you're, you're making sure that they understand that all of this is what's in it for them. Right? So right. if you want something better, you do it. If you don't want something better, it has nothing to do with me. Right. I want you to do this for me because it's for you. Right. So, and, and that's why for them, now you're building that relationship where I understand what you need. You are looking at, and as we mentioned before, you're looked at as the protector, right. As the person who is guiding them and they trust you. And so we're building off of that relationship. All those pieces are important. It's not even about the video in that in that case, the, the, the video doesn't matter. <laughs> right. 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 It could be a video about cats. It doesn't matter. Because the whole point is what just happened with that relationship, right? That's what's important, not the instructions. So by the time that we got off the phone, you know, the other day and from the time that we're on this call and you're watching a video about cats, sorry about that, by the way, again, the thing that I wanted to like actually ask you first is reflecting back on what happened during our call, what jumped out to you the most? You know, what did you think about afterwards? What was some of the deciding factors that made you show up today? People don't ask that question. I don't know why the fuck they don't ask that question enough, but I'd love that question because now they're going to tell me everything that they is holding them back from whatever product and service. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're going to do more research now. I'm like, God, this guy does this guy knocked my head off. I mean, is that something similar that would happen to you and your experiences? Yeah, of course. I mean, the asking those questions, what it's really doing one, it's actually, it, it serves multiple purposes. One, it gains more commitment on their end as well, because now they're more involved, right? And you can take what they're saying to you as well and be able to, to know how you need to steer it from there, right? And what kind of person you're dealing with. You're learning a lot more about that person and you're building that relationship. The second thing that it does as well is it helps you to realize where are the gaps in your sales process, right? And if, depending on what they said to you, like, what could I have done differently in order to make them actually do, you know, X instead of them doing Y? So that's so that's a key point, but most people don't do it because they look at it as a robotic thing that I'm going to get on this call, do this, and then they're going to, you know, the next one's going to do this and it's going to lead to this, right? They don't look at it as in, I, I look at everything as gaps, everything in my life, right? Especially in business, I look at gaps. I focus more on that than I focus on anything that's going well, right? Because I need to plug every gap I can. So because if the more that I plug, the more efficient I get the the more uh the the more that you, you that you generate right the better things function you know so you have to and and plus those the gaps are killers right eventually they're going to lead to when when it hits that point so imagine this and i'm going to try to i'm trying to you know break this down to explain it in such a way for people to understand and that is that think of think of a gap you know as think of an engine of a car Right. And say there's a piece missing from that engine, but the engine can keep running, you know, even though that's not in there, that piece is not in there. But if, but once the engine gets up to 80 miles an hour, that piece actually turns usually what turns on and allows it to keep going at 80 miles an hour. And if not, now the car, the, the wheels fall off and the car breaks down. Right. And so that's why you get the gaps. It's not for this second right here. It's for trying to make yourself more efficient. And by the time you get to the point where you want to get to, you're still running at a high speed. You're, you're not, your process isn't going to break down. That's a really good analogy, actually. I mean, what he's talking about, guys, I hope everyone is actually following this because he's giving you some key freaking golden nuggets. Like, holy shit. Let's, let's kind of like circle back just real quick 
on a couple points of that. What he's talking about, guys, win rate. He's looking at a percentage of leads to convert to actual sales. He's not talking about the people who aren't answering the phone, is he? He's talking, he's leading with the outcome in mind. I'm going to close you on this deal. How can I help you do that to increase your overall experience? That's why we're asking these questions. I'm going to overwhelm them with value, give them a deeper message on why I'm sending them a video and I'm going to start plugging the holes on what was missing. How can I increase the overall experience? Customer journeys are complex and involve some you know, amount of you know, churn amongst every fucking stage. I mean, you're going to make sure that they have zero problems with moving forward. Are you ready to move forward, Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect? Yes. All right, move on. When you get the answer you're looking for, move on, but then tie down. Ronald Reagan said this once, always believe, but verify. I trust every person I come in contact with in business, but I always verify. You mentioned in the video, you mentioned in your takeaways, you mentioned in your assignment, X, Y, Z. Are you really truly grasping? Because I'm not really convinced yet. Am I verifying? Absolutely. Then I'm moving on through the sales process to make sure that sales cycle length is shortened. Normally by this stage, Wes, I would ask you how you would be able to take advantage of some of these offerings. But based off of what I'm discovering from you, maybe your will and a desire overrides the financial side for you. Like you want to do it, but you don't really have the resources. Let's take some time at this point to try to identify some opportunities on how you can gain the resources as you move through this phase. Would that be beneficial to you? They're like, what? Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't want to get them to a sales point or a sales call and they can't buy. Right. Just not going to waste my time. And, yeah. and this is where we can kind of pick it up next week is that we can go into the sales cycle length and how to shorten that amount of time and taking the lead to move from initial contact to a sale. Because if it takes your team too long to move leads through various stages of your pipeline, this adversely affect the speed of the pipeline and, and it will affect everything in your organization. And I've been involved with a lot of different types of companies, Wes. And I got involved with one company that the company started growing because I was producing 90% of revenue for that company as a salesperson. And then I started building a team around me and become the director and then become the regional. And everything in that company started growing. Computers got better. The mouses got better. got better notepads, got better pens. You know you're doing something right. I'm not trying to get way off track here, but as, as all the listeners out there listening to this, I really want you to understand something. You make more of an impact than any other person in your company does as a sales, as a salesperson, any other person. Cause I could sell anyone, anything, as long as I know it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That brings us to a really good stopping point for today's episode. There's a lot of information that we shared with you today can be served as a solid foundation to build on your stages of your pipeline to maximize your results at a very high level. Sales is all about understanding the revenue needed to run your company. It's all about the tools and the techniques needed to take a sale from the beginning. And it's about the continual growth in the development process of your sales plan. The key to the situation is determining your gross revenue goal. So whatever goals that your sales manager or leader is setting out for you, it's for a reason. Here are some strategies that will help you before the next episode. Number one, understand the sales you need. Before you begin to sell, you need a plan. You need to do a little number crunching to set some goals. You need to determine how many sales you need to hit the revenue goals you have established for your business. I don't care if you're selling for a Fortune 500 company. When you're running a sales pipeline and you're trying to manage it properly, that's your book of business. That is your business. Start treating it as your own business. It'll actually help you create ownership within yourself and your numbers. Number two, prioritize your sales. Who are the people that stuck out to you the most that you believe that have the resources or talent or this will and a desire to be successful with your product or service? Follow up are the keys to ensuring to keep your sales pipeline full and your book of business healthy. Number three, Invest in yourself. Invest in sales. You need to invest time in learning how to get good at sales and making that shift from good to great. 
You're doing that by listening to today's episode. You're doing that by listening to books or reading books and, and actually gaining knowledge to be able to serve your clients better. Break down your calls, record them. Pay attention to where you're winning sales and where you're losing and what you can do to increase your sales success. I promise you this, if you put a strong focus on what your metrics are, your book of business and how to get organized, then you'll have a solid foundation for doing the work you love. Just to recap, what we covered today is how to work your pipeline properly, to be more skilled at organizing leads, cultivating opportunities, and forecasting outcomes and closing sales. We took you from the introduction to the initial contact and to qualifying leads properly to have them work for you. Let them do the hard lifting. You have something they want and desire and they need to be successful. Remember that. You need to flip the table and make sure they understand that you are the person of the know and you are the expert in your field. If you do this properly, they will win overall more than anybody else because they're going to be able to take advantage of every product and service you recommend for them. What we intend to cover on the next episode is how to take a qualified lead, shift over to a meeting, and how to set the stage on what to expect moving forward to the proposal and closing the sale for everyone to win. If you have any questions with today's episode, send an email to info at thewinwineffect.com and my team will respond and make sure that you have a full understanding. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.